Welcome to the River Life Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you will encounter Jesus and allow His words to wash you anew. May He reveal more of who He is to your heart. Here's the message for this week. Now, today we start our new sermon series. I don't know how many of you checked out the Instagram post yesterday. Um, I know Sherman has been working very hard to kind of like uh, fill our uh, social media spaces and he's really doing a good job. But anyway, uh, we are starting our new sermon series called FOMO. Um, how many of you have heard of what this uh, acronym means? Are you familiar with it? Yeah? Um, this is actually a, a slang that is um, used to revert to an anxiety over the possibility of missing out on something. So FOMO stands for fear of missing out. And this would be the title of our new sermon series. Now last week we concluded the uh, Let the River Run series and Pastor Ben actually brought us through Ephesians, no sorry, uh, Philippians chapter 3 and uh, kind of like exhorted us to make Jesus our one thing. That that should be the pursuit of uh, the Christian disciple. Our new sermon series, FOMO, uh, will address three big cultural priorities and what the Bible says about them and in response, how we should align ourselves so that the rivers of living water can flow freely in us. Now, you can refer to our digital bulletin uh, to find out more about this sermon series. And without further ado, I'll hand the time over to Pastor Ernie who would kickstart off this series. Why don't we give Pastor Ernie a hand? as we welcome him on stage. Testing, testing, testing. Can you hear me? Testing, yep. Can you hear me? Can I? Okay, that's good. Uh, yeah, like Justin said, we are actually starting a new series uh, called FOMO. Uh, FOMO actually stands for fear of mother only. No, just kidding, yeah. <laughs> it actually stands for fear of missing out. Yeah, and uh, I think one of the things uh, at the start of the year, if you remember, we shared and we went through this whole series is that uh, we actually um, sense from the Lord as a whole church that God is asking us to flow with that river, let the river flow. And um, one of the things we observe pastorally is that some of us are very contented with being ankle deep. Some of us contented to being knee deep. So as our job as a, as a pulpit team, basically, when we teach every Sunday, is to sometimes help us to overcome some of these obstacles that are preventing us from allowing that river to overwhelm us. Thus, we have this series called uh, FOMO, the fear of missing out, which is a very big thing, especially if you're under 40s. It's a very, very big thing. All right. So uh, let me show you this slide. If you go on social media today, right, these are possibly most of the things that you'll see on social media. Normally, social media got thing on, yeah. Can I have the, the next slide? Yeah. Yep, you will see all this on social media, right? You see posts on different people and all that, and they will capture all these different things. Wow, oh, I received this award for the best uh, property agent, best insurance agent award. I covered this amount of sales. I just bought this very big car. Wow, check it out, you know. I went for this holiday, then I'll post, you know. Or, or no, now, now they even have things like gender review, wow. <laughs> it's like so many things. And actually, at the, at the root of it, right, if you, really, if you really zoom in onto social media and the formal um, trend, it's actually rooted, it, it, it creates in us envy, covetousness, and comparison. It creates in us. And a lot of times, I find myself envying, like, 
all these people, wow, their, their kids so successful, they can drive big car, big house. How come I cannot? I also want that. So it, it creates in us a desire for some of these things in life. You know, and it's actually, um, for us as Christians, right, the, how formal actually comes into us is actually this, that if I obey God, if I allow myself to flow with that river, I will miss out on something good. That is what Christians feel a lot. If I obey God, if I come to church rather than uh, studying, you know, if I uh, 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 do this right thing in my workplace rather than what is popular among everybody else, I'm going to miss out on something good. And that's why a lot of us, we are contented by remaining ankle deep or knee deep. We don't want the river to overwhelm us because we fear that we will miss out on something good. You know, at the root of FOMO is actually the covetousness, which is actually the original sin. If you remember in the Garden of Eden, um, the serpent showed Eve the apple, okay, or the fruit, okay, and showed them, and he actually said this, that you will not surely die, for God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. If you think about it, this is actually FOMO. It creates in us the desire, I want this, you know, look what you're missing out. And that's literally what we are seeing on social media, right, and everywhere. You know, so that's what the devil is trying to say, you're missing out. So don't spend so much time with the Lord. Now, let me show you this uh, very beautiful picture. Uh, it's of a lake in Indonesia called a Kawa Ijen. Okay, Ijen, okay. Uh, and let me show you. Very, very beautiful lake, right? Like, how many of you, you see this lake, you, you, you like, wish you can go for holiday, you know, change your swim attire, and then dive straight into the pool and swim, right? I mean, I look at the picture, I also want to do that, right? The problem with that is that if you dive into this pool and you start swimming, you'll be dead in five minutes because this is a pool of pure sulfuric acid. A lot of times, that's what... That's what FOMO does. That's what the devil's been doing all the time. When he calls us to covet, when he calls us to actually envy what other people have and what we don't have. And in the short term, you may feel this pleasure. Wow, I get to buy bigger things and all that. But at the end of the day, you will lead on that road to destruction. In the Bible, it talks about, <clears throat> Jesus talks about two roads. Number one is that it is a straight and narrow the straight and narrow road, and then you have the broad and wide. Okay? One of these roads, one of these roads depends on God. And the other road, it actually depends on self. One of it leads to life, one of it leads to destruction. There are two roads. And what the devil is trying to do in the world today is to stir us up to go to this road, to depend on the self. You know, it's all your effort. And I'll talk a little bit more about this later on, all right? And at the... At the, and the consequence of us having that fear of missing out at the end of the day is that we tend to compromise on our value system. We tend to compromise on the Christian way of living. And that's why a lot of us, you know, we end up 
on this road and we end up on that place where we depend on self. I just want to be ankle deep because I am still in control. I'm not overwhelmed by the river. Right? And it's a departure from the, the, the way God created us to be, which is to depend on Him. And one of those things that um, FOMO actually does to us is that it causes us to depart from the divine rhythms that God has established for us. And especially for today, I'm going to talk about the divine rhythm of the Sabbath. Okay? When was the last time we talked about a Sabbath in a church? Just having a conversation with someone the other day. Like, I don't recall us talking about a Sabbath for a very, very long time, all right? So I think especially for a day and age, it's so important, important for us to come back to the principle, to the rhythm of Sabbath, okay? How does honouring the Lord look like in a me-first world? That's really at the heart of Sabbath. Now, just to introduce this topic, <clears throat> a research was done uh, about in 2017, and it surveyed actually the number of working hours people have across the whole world, okay, people put in, in the last 100 years, and they found that on average in uh, first world countries, in developed nations, the, the uh, number of hours actually reduced in the last 100 years to almost 50%, and this is actually... Um, um, this actually the, um, was caused by the emergence of technology. That's why the number of hours it reduced from 3,000 plus to about 1,783 hours. Okay? So countries like Germany, like the US, right now their average working hours is about 1,700 hours. Okay? But the bad news for us is this. For Singaporeans, the average Singaporean works a total of 2,383 hours per year. Okay? 2,383 hours per year. Among all the developed countries, Singapore has the highest working, number of working hours. All right? And on the scale of all the countries in the world, Singapore is number two on the scale of number of working hours in the whole world. And that is why there's an a, a increase of mental illnesses. If you see, like in the last couple of years, the number of mental cases in Singapore rose by 10%, almost 10% from 0.8 to 10%, and it's a lot. And uh, I, I read a research before, before I sent the slides in, um, sorry, after I sent the slides in, and I found that uh, a survey was done last year, and uh, you probably heard me talk about it um, in the video, uh, that Singapore is actually the most fatigued country in the whole world. If you're wondering why you're so tired when you're here on a Sunday morning, it's because of this. We're all fatigued, we're all tired because we are overworked people. All right. And can I suggest to us, one of the reasons why we are so fatigued, why we are so tired all the time, is because we have departed from God's original design for us, which is to keep the Sabbath rhythm. Six days of work, one day of rest. But now with the invention of the iPhone, you work 24-7. Email come, you can respond. A deal comes in, straight away you work. And that's why most of us, we, when we go on this road, we end up very tired and fatigued. So today, I want to challenge us to come back to the rhythm of Sabbath so that we can come to the place where Jesus says, you will have abundant life, life abundantly, all right? So when we do Sabbath, we create a space for God to move in our lives and allow God to say, God, do as you will on this Sabbath. Do as you will as I take a day of rest and I allow that river to flow so that I can be overwhelmed bit by bit by that river flow. 
All right. So we're going to talk about Sabbath today. And for that, I want to just go back to the Ten Commandments. And that's where the command of the Sabbath actually comes in. All right. So if you have Bibles, you can turn with me to Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. And he says this, and this is part of the Ten Commandments, which you are very familiar. Um, Verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, nor your son, sorry, uh, I think it should be nor your son, or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now some of you may be thinking, wow, another commandment I have to obey. We're very tiring in Christianity. got so many commandments, you know. But you see, in the Jewish thought, right, when the Jewish people think about the commands of the Lord, they think of adhesive, you know. You all know the sticky tape thing, all right? Uh, adhesive, did I pronounce it correctly? Okay, Ad- adhesive, whatever, okay? The sticky, sticky thing, okay? Yeah, adhesive. So the commands, when they see the commands, they think of think something that's sticky. Why? Because the commandments is actually, if you, if you summarize it, it's two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. When we keep these commandments, we are actually attaching ourselves more towards God and more towards other people. That's Jewish thought. It's not a burdensome thing, but it actually draws you closer to God. It draws you closer to one another when you keep these commandments. Now, uh, every time I talk about the Sabbath, one of the first questions I get normally is always this question, does the Sabbath still apply to us? My, my first immediate thought is this, I work six days, I'm going to die already. You want me to work seven days? <laughs> it's like, logically, it's like, of course it applies to us. But I want to show to us biblically that actually today, the Bible still says that the Sabbath applies to all Christians. All right? Now, why do I say that? <clears throat> because the Ten Commandments is something that's universal. It actually reveals the character of God. Okay, the Ten Commandments is just not God's words that say do and don't. It's actually a revelation of His character. In the kingdom of God, what does it look like? The Ten Commandments. You don't have murder, you don't have lies, you don't have envy, covetousness, and there's that relationship with the Lord. That is the kingdom of God. And the Ten Commandments reveal that. That's why God wants us to keep these commandments. Alright? So the Ten Commandments is universal and applies to all men all the time. Jesus did not come to abolish the commandments. He came to fulfill them. He came to show us how to live. So the Ten Commandments still applies to us today. Alright? And especially the Sabbath command, it transcends time. Why? Because the Sabbath command, before uh, the book of Exodus, the Sabbath day was known as the seventh day. And it was established by God in creation. Not when He gave the covenant to Israel. Not when He made the covenant with Israel. It was established right at creation. If you look at Genesis, it says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh 
day from all his work, uh, all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Kadesh, Kodesh. He made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. The first thing that God has ever called holy in the whole Bible is the Sabbath day. It's the Sabbath day. And something very beautiful about the Sabbath is this. When God created mankind, the moment he created mankind, he looked, everything was good. And the first thing that man experienced of God was rest. Because the very next day was the Sabbath and God rested. Man was born into rest. Man was meant to live out of that posture of rest, not one of strife. So the Sabbath was established right there at creation. But some of you may be asking, hey, what about the writings of the Apostle Paul? Let me give you some examples. There are two here. The first one is from Romans verse 14 to, uh, chapter 14, verse 5 to 6. He says this, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honour of the Lord. Some scholars actually said, actually, because of this verse, you don't have to keep the Sabbath. Because Paul is saying you don't really have to. If you want to, good for you. If you don't want to, it's up to you. Okay? Can I suggest to us that what Paul is really saying here is that he said don't argue about which day is the Sabbath. Is it Saturday or is it Sunday? Alright? So actually, Paul was not against the Sabbath. Rather, he was addressing the issue of don't argue you know, because what day it is. It doesn't matter. Six days work, one day rest. Okay, let me show you another passage in the Apostle Paul's writing, Colossians 2, 16-17. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to the Lord. So some um, scholars in one camp, they will say this, that because of this verse, that these are the shadow of the things to come, therefore you don't need to keep it. Can I suggest to us that in this passage of Scripture, Paul is not addressing whether we should keep the Sabbath. Rather, Paul is addressing how the Sabbath is being kept. You don't have to keep it exactly as how the Jews kept it. You don't have to do all the rituals and all that. That was what Paul was addressing. Okay? And let me show you a couple of reasons as well as to why the Sabbath continues to remain important for Christianity. Number one, Paul himself, Paul and Jesus, they kept the Sabbath. They practiced the Sabbath. If you read scripture, you will see that you, you find Paul and Jesus going to the synagogue on the Sabbath and the scripture says, as was his custom. So they practiced it. And on top of that, the early church practiced it as well. Okay, the early church practiced it as well. And in this um, collection of uh, teachings in the Jewish nation called the Mishnah, okay, it's a collection of teachings by the, by the top, top rabbis and all that. They put it all together. The dominant theme in there is actually on the topic of Sabbath. It shows you how important the Sabbath is to the Jews. In fact, uh, I've never been to Israel, but someone told me, and a few people I uh, watched online, they actually mentioned this, that in Israel, they have this thing called the Sabbath elevator that only turns on on the Sabbath and it stops at every floor so that you don't have to walk. Amazing, right? <laughs> yeah, so the, the Jews take the Sabbath thing very seriously. 
all right, up to this day. So can I suggest to us that the Sabbath does apply to us today as well. It is the rhythm that God has established at creation. Jesus practiced it, Paul practiced it, the early church practiced it. So we too should practice it. Now let me move on and then you can see why all, all this is important. What is the purpose of the Sabbath? Why did God give the Sabbath? You see, the Sabbath is God's ordained rhythm of work and rest and the celebration of His restoration and supplication. Okay? So the Sabbath day, the six days of work, one day of rest, becomes the framework for every human being, how to live. Remember this, we are all made in the image of God. So if God's rhythm is six days work, one day rest, we as who are creation in made his image, we should live the same way as well. Six days work, one day rest. And the Sabbath is also a celebration of God's restoration and supplication. Okay? Because you remember, before God created anything, there was darkness, there was chaos everywhere. And God said, let there be light. God created order. God created light out of darkness, order out of chaos. God made all things new. God restored. And on the very Sabbath, He looked back at all the things He has made new and He said it was very, very good. Okay? And so the Sabbath is a time to celebrate God's restoration and supplication, that all things that were made on this earth, all things that he made in the entire universe was created to depend on him. This one, straight and narrow. All right, was created to depend on him. Now, um, let me unpack some of these things a little bit more so that you understand uh, what I'm trying to say here, okay, by going to the next point first, okay? Um, all right, so um, what is involved for the Sabbath? Okay, what is involved for the Sabbath? Obviously, number one is ceasing from work. It's in the commandments, all right? A lot of times, because our view of the Sabbath is very westernized, we tend to think of the Sabbath as two things. Number one, rest. Number two, Sunday. Time to go to church. So our idea of the Sabbath is just Sunday and rest. But what if I told you that the Sabbath was created for something so much more than that? that the Sabbath is so much better than what we have come to know it to be. And it's for your benefit. Jesus says that man was not created for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for men. Right? So the first thing is the ceasing from work. Okay? In fact, the, term, the word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which actually means to cease. To cease from what? To cease from work. Okay, as I showed you just now in Exodus, six days you shall work, one day you shall rest. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work. You, your son, your daughter, your male servant, even your dog, no, cannot do any work. <laughs> your livestock, your sojourner, your, your mates, okay, those people that you hire under you in your company or in your household, they should observe the Sabbath as well. The fathers should be the gatekeeper that creates this culture in the home. So the commands applies to everybody in the house. Now before I go further, uh, there's this issue about having Sabbath on a Sunday. 
I understand that for some professions, it is not possible to have a Sabbath day on a Sunday. For example, if you're a nurse, if you're in the healthcare industry, if you're in the food industry, sometimes Sundays are the days that you really need to work. Okay? My take is this, you know, I'm not so concerned about which day you take as a Sabbath, but as long as you have this rhythm of six days work, one day rest, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it in a sense. I don't think the Bible is, or God is very legalistic about it, alright? The rhythm is six days of work, one day of rest. I know some of you find that very difficult, especially if you're in the healthcare industry, if you're a nurse especially. I think nurse, you have to work like... Um, uh, something like two-week shift, is it something like that? Those of you who are nurses, uh, I don't know, like in the hospital, uh, because uh, MOH is very kind to you, right? So make you work two weeks in a row <laughs> without any rest. Then you, then you can rest for two days, then you go back to work for another two weeks, you know. Um, I don't have solutions for you, uh, in a sense, because um, honestly, I've not researched on this for healthcare workers, but can I suggest to you, take the principles of what we're teaching here today and try and apply it into your situation. All right? If you want to dialogue more, I'm more than open to dialogue. All right? But for the vast majority of us, we're able to take one day off, ceasing from work. All right? So, Sabbath, six days work, one day rest. For us pastors, our rest day, most of us, Sabbath is on the Monday because Sunday have to work. Uh, because have to preach to people like y'all. Uh, okay? <coughs> so, retiring. Uh, yeah. <coughs> So it cannot be a day of rest, right? So tomorrow is our day of rest, all right? Now, the culture today for many of us is this. Seize every opportunity to climb the ladder. Seize every opportunity to make money. This is the culture today, the broad and the white way. So anytime on a Sunday, got deal come in, respond now. Got client want to buy insurance, okay, la, sell to him, la. You know, if, if God, a uh, boss asks you to do work, okay, la, I do. La. And it becomes a lifestyle for us that we are always on alert. We are always on alert. When work comes in, we will attend to it. Can I suggest to you this, that actually one of the key emphasis why we cease from work is that the Sabbath teaches us to depend on God on that seventh day. On the seventh day when I, when I had to forfeit this deal because I want to keep this Sabbath, if I have to uh, uh, not do this work and have a bad, in a sense, a bad uh, impression for my boss, I trust that to the Lord and I depend on Him to lead me along the way. I depend on Him for success. I depend on Him for supplication to provide, not on my bosses, not on my work. That's the heart of Sabbath, all right? So, I want to encourage all of us, you know, as we keep the Sabbath, more importantly, have that posture of dependence on the Lord. God, as I set aside this day to honour you, I'm trusting that you are my provider, that you are my God, you are my good God, that will want good things for me, and you will lead me to the place of green pastures. That is the heart of Sabbath, dependence on God. Now, <clears throat> I want to touch on a very practical aspect of keeping the Sabbath, and that is for those of you who have children, all right? In fact, when um, Pastor Ben asked me to do this message, um, the topic was, we have a lot of parents on, on Saturday, uh, don't want their kids to go to service on, uh, because they want them to study for A-levels, O-levels. 
So that was the topic. Then I say, huh? Which verse can I preach that from? <laughs> I don't know how to preach that. So I found that at the root of it, actually, it's actually the issue of Sabbath keeping. You know, parents, we live in a day that's very competitive, right? You go Facebook, wow, everybody got Educate for what? It's like if your children doesn't have Educate for what? Award, like something's wrong with your child, I know. It's like, or if a child don't go for extra tuition, you know. And then we create this culture in, among parents that Sunday is the day for catch-up. The Sabbath becomes the day uh, you pump all your tuition. Uh. Well, I go for science tuition, uh, English tuition, math tuition, Chinese tuition. Then Saturday, uh, or they do all their other things, catch up on schoolwork and all that. So the poor child, uh, for seven days, uh, he's on... It's just like the rubber band being stretched and stretched. No rest, you know. And I want to encourage you that what Scripture tells, teaches us that as Christians, the whole household has to observe the Sabbath because it is for the benefit of your children. You know, I've always, um, I've, me and my wife, we have always um, have this um, conviction, you know, that it doesn't matter, you know, if my if my kids whether they end up as a bankers, you know, doctors, because all Singaporeans' kids want to become doctors, right, or engineers, or, or you know, lawyers and all that, you know, it doesn't matter what job they take as long as they are on the straight and narrow road, as long as they are still following Jesus. And one of the sad things I think I shared this many times over here is that during my time in Mega Life, I've seen so many parents during the O-level year or A-level year, they would tell their kids, hey, don't go to Mega Life this whole year. Focus on your studies. So what they're teaching their kids is that God is more, is not as important as your studies. Don't depend on God. Don't go on the straight and narrow. Rather, depend on yourself because if you work hard, you will have success. If you work hard, you're going to get a good job. So don't go mega life. Don't go for EA service on Sunday. Waste time one, you know. Some pastor only preaching so much. Don't go, you know, very boring one. And you know what? When I fast forward 10 years later, it is true that majority of them become successful, but it's also true that almost all of them are not working with the Lord anymore. Why? Because you have taught them to depend on themselves. You have taught them to go to that road of the broad and wide road, the road that leads them away from the Lord. I shared this many times. You give them a good education, you pump all these things, the most that you can get for them it's actually a good career. But if you give them Jesus, you give them everything. So parents, I want to challenge you. I'm not saying that studies is not important. Don't get me wrong, okay? I send my kids to tuition, yes, okay? <laughs> because I believe in good stewardship of the things that we have on our plate, all right? But we keep the Sabbath. Why? Because we honor the Lord. And ultimately, success does not come from ourselves, how much work we put in. Success comes from the Lord. So I want to honor the Lord. I want to teach my kids to honor the Lord, to set their, their, their Sabbath day aside. Six days, you work as hard, you mark as hard, but on that Sabbath day, you honor the Lord. You set this day aside, not to catch up work, but the day for rest and to remember the Lord. There's a very uh, interesting story in the Bible. 
in uh, the book of, I think it's the book of Exodus, and it's a story of manna. When manna first come, uh, God uh, led the Israelites through the wilderness, and the first time um, manna came down, they were asking, well, what's, this? what's this, what's this, what's this? So it became manna, because manna means what's this, okay? So they don't know what, what it is, all right? Yeah, no, true, true story, okay? It's really true. In Hebrew, the word man me- means, uh, what is it? Okay, similai, okay? Similai, similai, similai. Then the, the bread becomes similai, okay? It's very interesting. So the Lord told them, okay, this is the command of the Lord. The, the first time um, the manna was given, okay? God says this in Exodus 16. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each of you, as much as he can eat. You shall take an omer, which is about 3.64 liters, according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. But the problem with the Israelites is like they're very Singaporean. They're very Kiamboa. So they, some of them collect so much, you know, and something very interesting happened, you know. It says this in Scripture. So the people gathered in verse uh, 17, the Israelites gathered, some gathered more, and be- as a result, some gathered less, not enough. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever uh, gathered much had nothing left over, exactly 3.64 liters, and whoever gathered little had no lack, had 3.64 liters. God provides. And it doesn't mean you put in more effort. It means that you'll be more successful. It doesn't mean that because ultimately, God is the one who gives. All right? And let me show you something further down. Okay? In verse 27, it says this. On the seventh day, the Jesus, uh, sorry, God commanded them, don't go out and find the manna because there will be enough manna for two days on the six days. Okay? You keep it, it will not go bad. And this is what it says here. But the people went out again together, Kiambo, right? And they went out and found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my Sabbath? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the six days, he gives you two um, bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. There was enough. So you do your best on the six days. On the seventh day, you depend on God. So when we cease from our work on that seventh day, we are actually creating a culture of dependence on God. Dependence that the river that we throw ourselves in, we, wherever it takes us, it leads us, it will give us life. Okay, dependence on God. So I challenge all of you here today, when you choose to set aside, whether it's your Sunday, your Saturday, or even your Monday, or some of you midweek, when you choose to set aside that one day, you are telling the Lord, God, my success, my sustenance, my uh, supplication, all comes from you. Not from my bosses, not from my company, not from my paycheck, but from you. So I challenge us, take one day, because you have a good father who provides enough for you. Who provides enough for you. And actually, this whole story of the manna, by the way, the story of the manna was the first time in the Bible where the word Sabbath appears. <clears throat> first time in the Bible. Okay, to cease. It's a day for you to cease from taking Shabbat, Sabbath. All right? It actually reminds, the whole story reminds me of the words of Jesus in Matthew. And Jesus says this, 
in Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. Do not, fear, do not have the fear of missing out. Do not FOMO, okay, about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, whether your son will go to this school, whether your kids will have EduSafe awards, or whether they'll miss out on studying. Don't worry about all these things. It's not your life more than food and body. And may I add, add studies as well? Or even business deals? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than them? Are you not of more value? Verse 32, For the Gentiles seek all these things. They seek after all these things. This is what they want. Go on the broad and narrow way, a broad and wide way. And your heavenly father knows that you need these things. You need your next paycheck to, to, to survive. You need the supplication. You need, you need to be able to feed your family. You need your children to be able to be successful in life. All these things are important to him as well. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What is the kingdom of God? God's kingdom is a kingdom where everything within his kingdom is dependent on him not on their own effort. And when you have that posture, your whole life shifts from a place of strife to a place of rest. And you will not be part of the statistics that says Singapore is the most fertile country in the world. River Life Church will be the place or will be people that are the most restful people because they serve from a place of rest. They kept the Sabbath. So I encourage you, Whatever your desires are within your heart, for your children, for yourself, for your career, you know what? Keep the Sabbath because you depend on God. Have that posture of dependence on God. All right? And just another passage for us. <clears throat> the seizing of work posture, it creates in us the dependence of God and we can trust God to provide. We can expect God to provide for us. Isaiah 58, it says this, If you turn your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honourable, if you honour it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking, talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. The Sabbath will be a delight. And I will make you right on the heights of the earth. I will feed you from the heritage of Jacob, your father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God's promise to us. You trust the Lord for the Sabbath to provide, God will feed you. You have a good God. Don't forget that. Alright? So number one, the purpose of Sabbath is to cease from work. Okay, what's involved is to cease from work. Number two, it involves physical recharge. All right, I like this quote from uh, Corey Tambun. She says this, if the devil cannot make us bad, he will make us busy. And I found it so true, especially in Singapore. All right, uh, in a couple of years ago, I think the early 80s, okay, there's this guy by the name of Juan Carlos Leman, a researcher from the University of Arizona. And he actually, through his research, which took a couple of years, he actually showed that the average human being needs one day of rest per every seven days. Not every eight day, not every nine day, not six days. Every, uh, sorry, not five days. Every six days work, you need one day of rest the next day. 
All right? He shows if not, it will lead to health issues, hormonal imbalances, organ stress, mood swings, and other serious physical and mental symptoms. Okay? That's the framework that God has given to us. And if we don't rest on that Sabbath, you know what? It's going to cause a lot of issues for us physically. And Sabbath, actually, the physical rest that it gives is so much more than just sleep time. It's so much more than just a ceasing from work. Actually, the Hebrew concept of ceasing from work actually has the connotation of this word called shalom. Okay? Shalom. When I say shalom, I'm not talking about Joshua's wife, okay? Shalom is... It actually means peace, but peace in the Bible is actually much more than we think about peace today. All right? Shalom, peace, basically, the Sabbath rest produces in us healing that is spiritual, physical, emotional, and psychological. In a sense that when you take the time to cease from work, when you rest and you honor the Lord on that day, it produces in you wholeness. Healing for your emotions, healing for your physical self because you're so tired, all right? And psychologically as well, okay? Spiritual, physical, emotional, and psychological. Shalom. Everything is at one. Everything's at peace with God. Shalom rest. So you see, when you keep the Sabbath, uh, it's something very spiritual as well. It does something to your body, all right? But some of you may be asking, so therefore, on, when I come to church on Sunday, does that mean I should stop taking the stairs? I must only take the elevator. Is that work? Now, this is a good time for me to address this, all right? Some of you may be asking, no, what is lawful for the Sabbath? You know, can walk out to downtown East later, no? or all must grab, go there, you know? <coughs> or, you know, and all these things. Now, what is lawful for the Sabbath? I want to turn the question to ask you this, Okay? The question they'll ask you instead is this, what takes life away from you? Those are the things that you need to stop doing on the Sabbath. We know work takes life away from us. It causes us to be tired, stressed and all that. It takes life out of you. Okay, so those are the things you need to cease. Okay, and, but if you're jogging, you're going for a jog, going for a run, it actually builds up your health. It gives life. That is not work. It's permissible. It gives life to you. If you're going to minister to someone, it gives life to people, do it. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. He gives life. He restores. He makes all things new. Okay, so those things that gives life, those things that are the things that you can actually continue doing, but those things that takes life away from you, you know, those are the things you should stop doing. Some of you may say, does that mean uh, I can finally don't talk to my wife uh, for one day? Because she takes life away from me. <laughs> well, you need to give life to your marriage also. Okay, that part cannot help you, all right? Yeah, but do things that give you life, like have conversations. I know of friends that um, on the Sabbath, what they choose to do is to they will, every weekend, they will gather some individuals in their home, they will have a meal, and there they will share life. And that is giving life into the relationships. That's how they celebrate their Sabbath, Okay? So, Sabbath rest is not, it's not merely just a time to cease from work, but it's physical rest. Do things that give you life. Stop things that take life away from you. All right? And number three, another thing that's involved, obviously, in Sabbath is holy convocation. Okay? Leviticus 23.3, it says this, Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, 
a holy convocation. Why is it we gather in church every Sunday? It's because it's a time of holy convocation. It is a Sabbath for holy convocation. And we see this in the book of Acts as well. On the first day of the week in Acts 20, they came together to break bread. It is a cycle, it is a rhythm in the Acts church. Okay, so for us as well, and I remember as I was preparing this, I remember my time in Australia because I lived in a place that uh, had a lot of Jews. Not, I come from a small town in Moa, never see Jew people before. So the first time I see them on the street, I was like, wow, these are Jews, you know, people of God. You know, and they're very cute, you know. <clears throat> it's like they have the, because they cannot cut their, their, their what's this, uh, the sideburn. So the kids and all that, they have all the long curly sideburns dropping down, very cute, and they wear their hats and all that. And every Sabbath, what they will do is that they will actually, they cannot drive, they will walk together and they will fellowship together very joyfully. You, know? you can see them walking, talking, having so much fun. They walk together to the synagogue and there they worship God. It's, it's, it's a very joyful day. Okay? It's a time of holy converse, convocation. Most of us, we think holy, holy convocation is actually we gather, we worship God, you know, we be holy and all that. But actually it's a celebration. Celebration of us being in the body of Christ. Celebration that we have this, this home to come together. Celebration that we actually have all these relationships. It's a time to celebrate. It's a time to celebrate. All right? So I want to encourage you every weekend, don't miss your time in church. Don't miss coming to church on a Sabbath day. Don't allow your kids to miss church on a Saturday as well. Because that it will be their Sabbath day. I think so. Lah. Okay? Yeah. So set aside time. Plan your schedule around church. Okay? It's a time that we gather together. It's a time that we celebrate each other. Okay? So that's number three. And let me go to the last one. Honoring it as a holy day. Okay? Sabbath is a time to cease from rest. It's a time for you to recharge physically. It's a time... Um, where it's a holy convocation. And finally, it's a time where we honor it as a holy day. Isaiah 58, as I mentioned this now, it says this, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it not going your own ways. Okay? Keep the day holy. What does that mean? You know, in a Jewish custom, um, the way they celebrate Sabbath is very interesting. So on Friday night at sundown, the mother of the house will actually bring out two candles, like this one here. Okay, imagine I'm the mother of the house. Okay, and the, the mother of the house will actually light two candles. Wait, uh, let me get the lighter. Oops, my secrets. Okay, no. <laughs> and the mother of the house will actually light two candles. Okay. This, the moment the candles are lit, the Sabbath begins. Every form of work has to stop. The family gathers and they go through all these rituals, you know, of reading scripture, of praying together. And then the next morning, they will actually go to the synagogue together with all their friends. And they go there, they celebrate, they come down. Then on Saturday night, when at sundown, the candles will be extinguished. Imagine this, having this in an HDB home. Every sundown on a Saturday night, you light the candles. Everybody in your house will know it's going to be a holy day. From this moment onwards, it's holy. Because the, the Jews are very visual people, right? You, you remember the Passover? 
people like paint the, the blood and all that on the is they are very visual. So the same thing in their rituals, it's not actually bad, you know. It actually has good intention. It's to remind everyone in the house that from this moment onwards, uh, it's holy, you know. Don't say anything that is unholy. Don't do anything that's unholy. Okay? So some of you ask, how can we actually keep this day holy? I have a few questions to ask you to help you come to what you can do, what you shouldn't be doing, all right? Number one is this. How can you make this day a day of celebrating your dependence on the Lord? What can you do to show your dependence on the Lord this day? For example, one of the things that you can do is to tithe or to bring an offering unto the Lord. Saying, God, on this day, as I celebrate the Sabbath, I'm going to tithe okay, to River Life Church and then I'm going to say I'm dependent on you for my supplication as the one who provides. That's how you can keep it as a holy day. A second way is this. How can you make this day different from every other day on the sixth day? It must be different. The Sabbath is holy. Holy in the Jewish context means set apart, different from the rest of the days. Okay? What can you do or what can you stop doing so that this day is different? For example, if for six days you watch Korean drama on your seventh day, stop lah. Okay? For six days, uh, you're on your phone. On this, how about this? A lot of people... Um, um, I read online, a lot of people did this, okay? They said on the seventh day, at sun, on the sixth day on the sundown, they will stop, they will turn off their phone until the next day sundown. You see whether you can do that. And most of us like, oh, challenging, you know. What if my mother call how? Very difficult, you know. Yeah, but you see, that's how dependent we are on some of these things. Okay, do make the day different. Maybe you can light the candles in the house to remind everyone, Sabbath starts now. We keep it holy. All right? We don't talk in the way that we talk for the last six days. We keep it holy. All right? And the last one is this, and last suggestion. How can we, what can we do on this day to delight the Lord? What are some of the things we can do to give life to other people? Sometimes it can be meeting um, people who are in need, uh, meeting, um, buying things for the poor, um, helping a couple that is struggling in their marriage, things like that. Okay? This gives life. It's different from the six days. Okay? Or you can actually go to your cell member who is actually downcast, encourage him, buy him a meal, buy her a meal, things like that. Make it a different day from the last six days. Okay? So that is what's involved in the Sabbath. So, as I bring to this whole sermon to a close, you can see that the Sabbath is actually a very beautiful thing. But because we are so westernized in our thinking, we think rest, we think Sunday, going to church. But Sabbath is so much more. And you know what's the most beautiful thing about the Sabbath? Most of the things that are being done uh, is for our benefit, you know. It's for our benefit, you know. In a sense, it doesn't benefit God in any way because God is sufficient in everything. He doesn't need all these things. But He created the Sabbath for you. He created this rhythm for you so that you can have rest, you can recharge, you can give life to those relationships that need life, to those areas, uh, those people that need life, and you can remember how to live on this earth. I know some of you, as you listen to this message, you may be struggling. Wow, if I don't, 
If I don't uh, do deals on Sunday, you know, on, on every other day, I'm going to struggle. If I don't send my kids for tuition on a Sunday, you know, they'll lag behind. You know, they may not be gifted. You know what? I want to encourage you with this verse, which all of us are very familiar. And it says this, Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He'll make your path straight. Straight and narrow. I know a lot of you sitting here, especially you have kids, you are worried that they may not do well for their exams. I want to encourage you this. What if when they observe the Sabbath, they actually become better students? What if, the, if you keep the Sabbath as someone who works in the property line or, or, in, or insurance line, you have to constantly meet people, you actually become more fruitful in your life. You are less stressed. You, you are actually more rejuvenated every single day. What if the Sabbath rhythm is so much better and so much more than what we have come to know it through our westernized worldview? I want to encourage all of us that in this season, as we let that river flow to just seize that control of ourselves, to say, God, I just want to remain ankle deep. I just want to remain knee deep. But I want to let that river overwhelm me. We can start doing that by keeping the Sabbath. And I want to encourage you with this, that as we do that, you will see that the Lord is so much better, that the life that God has intended for you is so much better than what the world promises. Everything that the world promises through FOMO, the fear of missing out, is found in God. So you know what, church? Let's pursue this road. Let's pursue God and His ways, His rhythm. And I, I, I really encourage all of us every single week, keep the Sabbath. Let it be holy. Let it be a day that you meet God. You know, in the Jewish, um, the Jewish culture, they have this um, saying that says this, if you make space for God, God will come and fill it. So River Life Church, as you make space for God every Sabbath day, you can trust and expect our good God to come and fill that space. Amen? Can I invite all of us to rise as our feet as I pray for us? Heavenly Father, we, we come together as a church today, Lord. Father, forgive us that... Um, for us as parents, as workers in this world that so often we have given so little priority to the day that you have called holy. Lord, forgive us if we have pressured our children to walk away from your ways and your rhythms. Father, I pray that as a whole church, oh Lord, we will come back to that place where we are aligned with your divine rhythms, oh Lord. The rhythm of work and rest. So, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here as they go into their week, oh Father, as they plan to set that, that Sabbath day aside as holy, oh Lord, that seventh day as holy, not doing as they will, and a day of rest. Father, I pray that as they create space, you will meet them, you will come and fill that space until that time, oh Father, that they will find that the Sabbath is a delight for them, oh Lord. 
So God, I pray for every single one of them. If their situations is, are, are very challenging, Father, I ask you grant them the wisdom, show them how, oh, Father, to be able to keep the Sabbath in those situations, oh Lord. And for parents with children, Father, we ask for your wisdom and your courage to do what is right in your eyes, oh Lord, so that our kids will not be a generation that walks on the broad and wide way, but they will always be on the straight and narrow path that leads to eternal life, oh Lord. So help us as a whole church, as we start this whole new year, O oh Father, to keep the Sabbath every single week. For your name's sake, O oh Father, we ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen, Amen. God bless you. I'll pass the time to Jen Singh. Why don't we lift our hands and receive the Lord's blessing. Naomi, the love of our Heavenly Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship and power of the Holy Spirit be on each and every one of you as you continue in the posture of Sabbath and honour this day as a day that's set apart for the Lord. Praise in Christ's most precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the River Life Podcast. We hope that you've encountered Jesus through the Word. If you'd like to connect with community or find out more about River Life Church, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or head on over to riverlife.org.sg. God bless and have a great week ahead.